0: In Jesus' name, would you declare this with me, Lord? Today, by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season as your faithful remnant. We will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and He has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lives of the enemy, but we will give health healing and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we just pray these people be filled with your joy this morning. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch our pastor, that you would anoint him, Lord, to preach the word of the Lord. I pray we be ready to receive the word of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, your kingdom be strengthened, your kingdom be built today in Jesus' name as people encounter your love and are changed forever. We speak these things in your name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Before I get into
1: the word of the Lord this morning, I just want to do something. If you're involved in the Christmas program in any fashion, form, or way, whether it be ushering, whether it be greeting, whether it be park attending, whether it be nursery, whether it be behind the scenes or the cast or lighting or whatever, any anything at all, I want you to stand with me. Would you do that, please? And I know there's some in the back still. Okay. Now, what we're going to do, I want you to look at these people that are beside you, and we're going to pray that the Lord will keep them in good health this week. There's a lot of stuff going around. People are, it, it, the schools are full of flus and symptoms. We got some of the cast that's homesick today. Chuck Richardson, who's in the, involved in the play, he's very sick. And we, uh, they've worked hard, and we don't want ice, snow, or illness rob us from presenting our best to winning shows this week. So while you're sitting there, would you just reach out towards some of these people and pray over them and ask the Lord to bless our play, to bless, and I want Randy to come up here and we're gonna pray for him as our director. Randy, come here, Zach, Chuck. Pray for him that God would help him. He's carried a heavy load. How many appreciate him, amen. And uh, this thing, we have been praying over it, but we want you as a church to understand the importance of praying over this every single night. Amen? So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus right now, we pray, God, the hedge of protection over all of the cast and every one of those that are involved in any fashion, form, or way in this church concerning the play. We pray, God, that the flus and the symptoms of sicknesses and diseases that's flowing around in the area, God, will not come nigh them. We pray for the Holy Spirit protection. We pray, God, for the seal of the Holy Ghost to be upon them. We pray, God, that everything that they do, God, and put their hand to do, it will prosper. We pray, God, that these nights that has been set aside to bring forth this program, let it be anointed, inspirational, but mainly of all, God, let it bring glory to you in everything that they do. I pray for the anointing of God to come down upon them to make this one of the best Christmas seasons that people have ever seen project, a production that they've ever encountered. Let them encounter the very presence of God, and let the kingdom of God be exalted, and let you be glorified, and let it be filled and expanded. Expanded by souls being saved. We pray and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we give you praise for it. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for doing that with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. You can remain seated seated today. We've kind of been up and down. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind, and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Now, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, I used this uh, this uh, these scriptures as my text, and I preached on them throughout the years many many times. But this morning, I want us to look at them just a little bit different than what we have in the past. We all know that these scriptures, is to they are known to be the actual fulfillment of Pentecost. And even though that Pentecost is not my topic here this morning, yet I want us to focus on what happened back then and parallel it to the events that's happening right now. First of all, we have to all recognize that what is happening right here this morning is no different than what happened back then, just like those 120 that were gathered in the upper room we're are also gathered together in the Lord's house here today. And there may be some differences and some of the differences would be the location of where they're at, the size of the room where they're at, and that, them kinds of things. And it may also be true that we might not be in one accord in one mind like those earlier disciples were. But nevertheless, we are gathered together in this place this morning. Every Sunday across America people gather in churches on the Lord's Day on Sunday morning and the purpose is is to Come and to worship and to seek after God and to magnify the Lord. But the question I have is: How much of that activity is actually authentic and real, and how much of it is nothing more than tradition or habit or ritual or religious practice? How much of it is real spiritual passion versus religious activity? How many of us has really come in here to worship this morning to offer expressions of loving devotion unto our God? How? How many of us is really coming here today understanding the worth of God and giving ourselves over to Him as our as living sacrifices, in which is our reasonable service? How many of us is really come in here with the intent, I'm gonna give God all that I got? How many of us is really doing that? How many of us is really coming here with our whole heart being devoted to seeing and experiencing God? How many of us is really coming to this place with the expectation of encountering God? Have you come here this morning to say, hey, I come here with the intent of encountering God. I've come here with the expectation of seeing the Lord and experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ. How many knows that God does nothing outside of the element of faith? Where there's no faith, where there's no expectation, there'll be no manifestation. Can I have an amen? God rewards us according to our faith and according to our expectation. I think the real question that we have to ask is ourselves is this. Have we truly ever wanted to see God face to face in all of his glory and in all of his power? Do we really, really want that? Do we really, honestly, wholeheartedly really want to experience, encounter, and experience God that way? Or or is there a little bit of hesitancy in us? Is there a little bit of fear? Are we afraid? Because I want to tell you something, folks. The presence of God can be quite intimidating. The presence of God is so revealing. When the presence of God comes upon you, it unmasks you. It shows you who you really are. It unveils you. It reveals you your true self. And sometimes when God begins to move upon you and he begins to start unveiling who you are, there's a hesitancy to hold back because we don't want to see those flaws. We don't want To see those things. And another thing, the presence of God, sometimes we wonder if I really truly give myself fully over to God, what is he going to expect out of me? What's the cost of that? What, is, what, what am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to do? How much time is he going to require of me? What's he going to put me in? Where's he going to place me? Where's he going to take me to? Those kinds of things are real valid questions and they're valid things that we ask ourselves as the presence of God comes upon us. One of my greatest experiences that I've ever experienced in my life was during my calling to preach. I experienced God wonderfully in my salvation. I experienced God wonderfully even in my sanctification and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've had great encounters with God in different places where God has come down and blessed me, revealed himself to me, challenged me, corrected me. I can tell you wonderful stories in my life throughout the last 30 some years of serving him where we have had some great visitations together. But none was quite like my calling to preach. I have never experienced God that way before. I asked Randy West some time ago, I said, When is your greatest encounter with God? He told me too. He said, He thought they were about equal. He said, He had an encounter with God in his house where literally the glory of God lit up the room. And he had one of the greatest encounters right there in his home. He had another one in China where the power of God got upon him where he couldn't even speak for several, several days. And in my calling to preach, I remember my pastor had asked me, I had not been called to preach as of yet, but he asked me to preach on a Sunday night. I was scared and I was intimidated, and I thought, why is he asking me? I'm just a young teenager. And, and I thought, Brother, why? He said, you know, you know, I said, I'm not called to preach. I, he said, I'm, I didn't say you were. I just want you to speak for me Sunday night. Get ready, boy. I said, okay. And I was all scared and intimidated. And I thought, what am I going to talk about? I'm not a preacher. And so I went to the altar during a weekday after, because I was a Sunday school teacher. I was youth director. I'd done all the kinds of different things in the church. And I had a key. I went down there on a weekday after church, uh, after work, and I unlocked the door and went in by myself. And I put... My Bible up on the back of the altar. The altars back in those days were high back altars. I put my hand up there and I started praying. And when I started praying, the Lord come down in that room. And the Lord, I was praying, oh God, you know, give me the words to say. Where do you help me to understand how to study? And God, help me to put an outline together. And I'm praying all of this. And all of a sudden, God came down in that room. And all of a sudden, where my hand was, up by my Bible, turned red hot from my wrist down. It was like my hand was was on fire and the Bible was on fire. My eyes was closed. I did not want to open them to see what was going on because I expected to see my hand red hot, uh, red, like it was on a stove. And all of a sudden, the the pages of my Bible began to open. And it was like you were putting a big wad of ones in a, in a money counter and it was going... It was just the pages were opening that fast, and I felt the wind upon that on that Bible. And all of a sudden, an audible voice spoke to me. It was audible. It said, "Look." and behold and I was scared to death I was laying there and I thought I wonder how fast I can hit those back doors I'm being honest with you it was very scary and not that I was feeling like that God was going to hurt me but the reverence of his presence and the, the weight of that of what I felt I was scared to death and I remember barely opening my eyes and I thought well I don't see I can't hardly see anything and I was scared and the Lord spoke a second time audibly to me. And He said, I said, Look and behold. And when I opened my eyes off of the pages of the Bible in Romans chapter 14, verse uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 16, and it says that I should be a minister of Jesus Christ, uh, preaching to the Gentiles and being sanctified by the Holy Ghost and being acceptable in His sight. And there's one thing right then I was called to preach and I knew what it was. It was one one of the most great and grand and glorious experiences that I ever, and it changed my life forever. And let me tell you something, folks, when people try to tell me that God isn't real, I laugh at them. Because when you get an encounter like that, you'll never ever doubt the experience of God in your life. Can I have an amen? Now, it was more dramatic than what that sounded like you experience it, honey, and it's a different thing than just hearing a story about it. And that we it was a dramatic thing of what I went through that day. But do we really, honestly, wholeheartedly really want to experience God in that kind of a way? Some do not think in the terms of encountering God simply because they don't want it. They just want to be left alone. It's not a part of their spiritual DNA, and they don't have the desire for it. And some possibly is already turned off from this message and tuned me out simply because of the content of the message. The minute I started talking about encountering, experiencing, seeing God, boom, they're done. It's over with. They might as well get up sometimes some people and go home because they're not interested. I know people like that. I, 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 I know people, friends that are like that because I've ministered to them. Some don't see the need, the reason, or the purpose of us Pentecostals always wanting more, looking for more, searching for more. They feel that they can live without all of that stuff and that they don't need it. They look at themselves as saved and that's all they want. They'll tell you, I'm saved, leave me alone. I'm saved, that's good enough. All I want is to go to heaven and all of this other stuff is irrelevant to me. I'm really not interested in all that spiritual fanatic stuff. But I want to tell you something, folks. You may be saved, but I want to tell you something. What keeps you sharpened and saved? is the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in his presence. Can I have an amen? Then there are those who think that it's impossible to see God face. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in the power of God. They don't believe in visions and dreams and experiences and encounters and things of that. They don't believe. They'll tell you, that man did not hear God's audible voice. If you're going to hear God, he's going to speak to you through the word. Well, that's true. But I want to tell you something. God can speak audibly to you because I've heard his voice. Amen. Amen. And when you hear that voice, you fall as if you were dead. I'm telling you, when he spoke to me, everything in me bowed and I got as low to that altar as I could because of just the voice that shook that place that day. Many in defense of their theology of not seeing the supernatural is found in Exodus 33 verse 20 when God told Moses. He said, God said to Moses, you cannot see my face for there shall no man see it and live. This is true in the sense that no one can see God on the basis of his or her own righteousness and live. You can't. You and I cannot. However, Jesus assures us within the scripture that you and I can see God. How? Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. The Bible tells us that if you're impure in heart, You are a candidate to actually see the very presence of God. We can see God spiritually through the eyes of faith. To see God means to really know him personally and up close. It's more than seeing with natural eyes, but it's discerning him in your spirit. It's not being introduced to him in the flesh like, hey, this is God, and you see him with naked eyes. But it's God being revealed to us in our inner man and in our spiritual man. Can I have an amen? That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about spiritual experiences. It's more than just seeing images and pictures through the lens and the scope of the eyes, but it's seeing him through transformation of mind and with an enlightened heart and with an inspired spirit. How many believe that God can enlighten, that he can give revelation, that he can give transformation? That's what God does. That's how you come to know him. It's hearing him with sensitive ears, discerning him with with, uh, sensitive spirits. There's times that God comes into the room. There's some that's clueless and others, I detect that God is here. I detect that something's going on. Do you detect it? Do you not understand? And sometimes we squander the presence of God corporately because many are out of sync and out of touch, and there is that group that senses it, but yet because of the unbelief, he's driven away. Hello? We are here gathered together. Why? To have another church service? to go through our tradition so we can be happy, so we can feel good. Why are we here? We're here to be devoted to the praise and the worship and seek after the presence of God. That's why we're here. That's why we gather. We're gathered because we had a rough week and we've come into a sanctuary, the hiding place, and say, hey, God, I need the the salve and the balm of Gilead poured into me. I've had a rough week. I need your attention here today. I've come for the purpose of coming before the great physician to fix me during this week. I got to face another week of a cruel world and I need to be in a sanctuary in a place of refuge and I need my shepherd to minister to me. Can I have an amen? But you know, I will be coming back to the definition of what, of knowing God in spiritual encounters throughout this message what does it mean to know God in spiritual encounters? Remember, to know God it means to really know Him personally and up close, not from a distance, not to be an observer. Hello, there's many people that observe the presence of God, but have you ever tasted personally and see that the Lord is good for yourself? <laughs> I tell you what, you put a big T-bone steak down. I'm not going to be an observer, Bubba. <laughs> I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. I've got an enemy in my house, I have found out over the weekend. I've got a pike rat by the name of Chaz. I woke up and my dean dongs are gone. Now, man, that boy's going to have some problems. And when I got him in the van, I looked down. And he had ding-dongs hid in the seat that he was packing home. Yeah. Something's got to change in the Miller home. Amen. But I want you to understand here today that we are gathered here not to be observers. Not standing the fore off and having questions and curiosity about the presence of God. It's coming to know him. To be introduced to him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Guest will take you and introduce you to the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. He will receive of God and show it unto you and reveal it unto you is what the scripture says. You and I right here today are more than just people sitting on a pew going through traditional church service. We are the people of God, the family of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So let's enjoy the inheritance. Enjoy your inheritance. Can I have an amen? Oh, Lord, help me preach right here. I, <laughs> the same man that was told that he could not see God and live was the same man that prayed, show me your glory. How many of us pray that? Show me your glory. I'm very careful here because I'm, I'm trying to weigh out something in my spirit. Uh, I've got dear friends that... that are religious and they they have been saved but I see no fruit or evidences of them really having a desire for more. A hunger to go a little farther. An openness to say I'm willing to try this. I'm willing to be a fool for Christ. I'm willing to make a mistake. Come on. I'm willing to get ridiculed a little bit and called fanatic. I'm willing to step out on nothing and believe God for something. Come on, help me preach. But the Bible says that God put Moses in the cleft of the rock and caused the glory of God to pass by and Moses got to see the hinder parts of God. How many of you would like to see the very glimpse of God? Hallelujah. I've seen visions and I've seen glimpses of things and, you know, God gives things, we even prophesy in part. It's what the Bible says. Even when we prophesy, sometimes we prophesy things and we don't truly understand it all. We prophesy in part. I may give part of the message and Bob may give a part of the message and Bill may give a part of the message. And then Brother Williams come by and put the finishing touches up. And sometimes when we prophesy, it may be a long sentence, but just a little segment of that is what is in part. Amen? When somebody gets up and prophesies, let me tell you something, folks. They don't have it all together. They're giving you just a part. They're seeing the part only that God reveals. But if you'll follow that prophecy through, it'll add on and add on and add on throughout the rest of your life. Here's the problem. I have seen children prophesied over and what God's will was for their life when they're teenagers. And they're walking around on the floor, jerking, crying, weeping, speaking in tongues, having one of the greatest encounters of their life. But then when they're 30 and 40, it never comes to pass. Why? Because they are never allowed the string of prophecy to fulfill itself and run its course. They never received the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth part of that prophecy. Can I have an amen? Where are you at on the timeline of God? Oh, I got saved, I had a wonderful experience. But how many other encounters have you had with him? How many more strings of events of prophecy is out there that you've ignored and you have pushed away and you're not fully coming in to your spiritual life all because you've settled? It's getting heavy in here, isn't it? That rock represented that God, Moses was put in, Jesus Christ. If we are in Christ. We are in the cleft of the rock like that of Moses. Did you hear that? That rock that Moses was put in was a representation of Christ in the New Testament. We are, If we are in Christ, then we're in the cleft of the rock like that of Moses. So what does that mean? We're candidates to see his glory. Can I have an amen? Amen. We cannot see him due to our own righteousness, but in Christ Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. So therefore, we have accessibility into God because we have a mediator. We have a high priest, Jesus Christ, that brings us into the throne room where you and I can experience the very presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we're here today. That's why Jesus came, so He could be the go-between. Bob, in your filthiness and in your own, in your own righteousness, your filthiness filthy as rags. But God says, "Hey, I got a Son that's going to clean all that up, and then He's going to take you and bring you to Me, and we're going to sit down and we're going to sup together. We're going to make an abode together. We're going to have fellowship. One with us. the fellowship that Adam lost in the garden can be found back by the second Adam, Jesus Christ." I can fellowship with God. Me and God have some of the strangest. I've only heard God's audible voice about two or three times in my whole life. And one of the times I heard him, you know what he done? You're gonna find this a little bit humorous. I told you he spoke to me and said, look and behold twice to me. And I've never heard the audible voice again except one other time that I can recall. And if you ever hear it, you'll know it and you'll remember it. You know what it was? The other time I heard him, he laughed at me. I heard him chuckle. Somehow Kent entertained God with his behavior. Hallelujah. That's how up and personal my God is. And when he chuckled, instead of rebuking me for what I was doing, he chuckled me, and when he chuckled and laughed at me, he showed me how silly I was, and I laughed also in turn from what I was accusing him of that he wasn't demeaning and mean and harsh and cruel. He was a God that looked at me in my despair and laughed and chuckled, and his laugh and chuckle ministered me in such a way I thought, yeah, I am pretty silly, ain't I, God? Amen? Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible God. Did you know Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us? I love that in Hebrews 1 and 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself purified our sins, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to what the new NIV translation says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The living translation says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. I like the English standard. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. I like the Bryn study Bible. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is God unveiled. Jesus is God revealed. Jesus is in the express image of the father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. That's why he told Philip, you remember Philip in John 14 and 8, Philip says, show us the Father, it'll satisfy us. You keep talking about you and your Father, show him to us. We'll believe. Show him to, and finally, Jesus looks at him and says, how long have I have to be with you? How long have I been with you and you don't know me, Philip? And you ask, why do you ask me to see the Father? I'm telling you, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, in other words. He goes on in John 10 and 30, I am my father, are one. John declared in John 1, 14 that when Jesus came, when the word was made manifest, we, he dwelt among us and we beheld him, we seen him, we handled him. And in other words, John declared that we seen his glory through the person of the, the incarnate, Jesus Christ. It was Paul that said in Colossians 1 and 15 and talking about Christ, who's in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And John 1 and 1, not only to say was he with God, but Jesus was God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Colossians 1.13, it is through the person of Jesus that we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. What does that mean to be translated into the kingdom of his dear sons? It means that you went from a carnal state to a spiritual state. You went from a carnal kingdom into a spiritual kingdom. We have been translated, transformed, enlightened to whom God is by the person of Jesus Christ. After Job passing through his suffering, I like what he said in Job 42 and 5, Now my eyes have seen thee, O God it is said of Isaiah in Isaiah 6 and 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train did fill the temple and then he goes and talks about how the temple post shook and how the seraphims flew crying out holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty which was and which is to come and he talked about all the different things about God in that vision. Ezekiel saw visions of God in Ezekiel 1 and 1 in Ezekiel 8 and 3 and Ezekiel 40 and 2 David the psalmist said in Psalm 63 and 2 I have seen you in the sanctuary and I beheld your power and I was touched by your glory." Peter, James, and John saw the glory of God through Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, takes him up on top of the Mount, and the Bible says that he was transfigured before them. And the Bible says that his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And the Bible said that Moses and Elijah appeared talking with Jesus. And Peter says, hey, it's good for us to be here. Now, I want to tell you, how many would you say it's good for us to be here? Many of us run from such events. But Peter and James and John standing there seeing all of this said, hey, it's good for us to be here. Peter said, we're going to build a tabernacle, three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Moses, three different altars. And then all of a sudden while he's saying that, behold a a cloud overshadowed them and a voice out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Then Jesus said, arise. And they arose up. He said, be not afraid. And when they looked up, they only seen Jesus only. They only seen Jesus. You know what God wants us to do? He don't want us to see the prophets. He don't want us to put our eyes upon man. Oh, he's so anointed. Oh, that evangelist, every time he comes, he thrills us, and we pack arenas out just to see a man's performance under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God's saying, let's take away the man out of the equation and let you see Jesus only. Hallelujah. If you came here to see Kent Miller, I'm gonna let you down. Hello? If you came here to hear the band, they're gonna let you down. You stay around long enough, and those of us that's in the public eye, we're human. And to be human means to err. There's gonna be times that we're gonna miss the mark. But I wanna tell you something. We're not to get the glory anyway. We're just fleshly, carnal instruments that God's using. To bring about glory, but the ultimate attention are to be of the palace of praises. Let's come and seek for the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and let us see Jesus and Jesus only. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. John saw him on the island of Patmos, talked about, oh man, I wished I could read all that, but I'm, well. I'm not going to. You could talk about how his hair was white as snow and his eyes as a flame of fire. And John the Revelator said, and when his voice shook, when his voice spoke, it was a sound of many waters. and It was a sound of a trumpet. And he talks about all of the radiance of God's glory coming down. He was bright as the sun. And the brightness of who he was was his strength. And in other words, in the fullness of looking up in the sun, that's how bright he was. Talk about, go back to Paul when Paul saw him on the road to Damascus and he looked up and there was bright light so much on that, on that horse that Jesus was riding, uh, 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 That Paul, the, the light that Paul was riding on a horse and when he looked off of that horse and seen the brightness of who Jesus was, he fell off the horse as if he was dead. John the Revelator said, when I saw him, I fell as if I was dead. And he put his hands upon me and said, fear not. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And I have the keys. I was him that was dead. But I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. We could go through the scriptures where people seen him. To see God means to truly know and understand him. To experience him like all these other means seen him. Job seen him in suffering. You can see him in your suffering. Amen? David seen him in the house of God, in the sanctuary. Peter, James, and John saw him through trans- transformation. Isaiah saw him in the temple. John saw him in persecution and in seclusion. Paul found him, saw him while running from him. <laughs> Let me ask you a question this morning. How and when are you going to see him? I've got another hour of preaching. I've got to get off of that because I promised Randy he's got to get his staff back here. I want to skip all of the things that we are candidates to receive Him because the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart. When you look at the word pure, everywhere you follow the word pure, it's talking about gold free from its alloy, silver free from its impurities. It's talking about water that is pure enough to drink. It's talking about sacrifices that's not spotted or blemished. It's, 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 it's a different word that we use than the normal pure, it's a purity beyond measure. And then when you begin to really think about us being pure in Christ, Christ has redeemed us from all of our sin. It makes us have the ability then to come and see him in the fullness of his radiance and glory. Amen? How many are saved in Jesus Christ? Now you ought to want more. You want to see more, experience more. You're saying, what do I do that quit don't look for a certain experience, seek Him and allow him to reveal himself to you, whether it be through the word, whether it be through in prayer, whether it be just driving down the road. It don't matter. God has come. Me and him's had some of the weirdest encounters. I've had encounters with God out deer hunting all of a sudden just get plum happy and say, oh, forget deer hunting and get to shouting and crying and weeping and wall around in that old mud. And, Woo, thank you, Lord. You come down in my state of quietness and you minister to me. Get up and think, well, that deer hunt's only only walk 100 yards and kill a deer. He's good. But this is where I wanted to get in our text. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one accord and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, the Bible says that God filled all the house where they were sitting. They gathered there that day, but God gathered with them. Huh, do we not have that promise today? Nothing's changed. There's absolutely nothing that has changed from now than from the day that the men and women Met in that upper room. Not one thing, the only thing that has changed is time and culture. The only difference is they were in a small upper room, we're in a big palace. So that means that there's more for God to feel. Therefore, we can see more glory than they did because we made and extended our tent stakes. Amen. In the Old Testament, that's what they told you to do. extend your tent stakes. Why to make room for more of God? Right. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1st and 2 Peter, he talks about us being lively stones, all placed together, building up a spiritual house. Come on. We're built upon a spiritual foundation. Let me ask you a question: Who's gonna see more glory? Somebody that's got fifty stones? or somebody that's got a thousand stones because God's represented in unique ways in each and every one of us. And the more that we get in here, the more of the uniqueness of God that we can see manifested through the lives of people. Amen. Am I making any sense at all here today? And then we see that the house was filled with his presence where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's in our midst. Folks, he's here. Okay, but it don't stop there i got to start at the beginning. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place, one upon it, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and there appeared unto them, clothing, tongues, as a fire. Watch. And it sat upon each of them. Woo! We went from a corporate manifestation to an individual manifestation. It's one thing to be aware that God's in the room, and it's another thing for Him to come and sit in your lap. Whoa. It's one thing for me to look around and notice God moving, and it's another thing for everything to just fall out of the scope of my vision, and all of a sudden it's me and Him. He sat upon me. Have you ever had God set upon you? I love the movie Elf. Has anybody been watching that in the Christmas season? One of my favorite parts is when he goes and sits on his father, the little the elf's lap. Get off, get off, get off of little feet, Dingling. I want to tell you, I have felt that way before with God, where I sat down and the big God of the universe come and flopped on my lap. Have you ever felt like that? Where God was so big that you couldn't handle him? He's so awesome that you can't contain him? His presence is so so magnificent that it's it's like you melt like wax, like the psalmist said. And here we are. God is speaking through your pastor to this congregation, and God is saying, Get ready, palace of praise, because I'm not only going to fill the house where you're at, I'm going to come and sit in your lap. I wished I had the time to give him the word sat. Not only does it mean to hover, to cover, to clothe, to be persistent, but it talks about weightiness. Amen? That there's such a weightiness of God's presence that that it comes and all of a sudden it changes everything. You know what it begins to do? It begins to what? Govern your goals. It begins to create your ambition. It begins to balance your motives. It begins to set the tone of your atmosphere. Everything about you begins to change as God not only moves amongst the congregation, but when He comes and steps to your lap, it takes you to another level, way beyond and just observing Him from afar off. But when He comes close to you, it changes who you are to the core. Because when you look at that word "set," it means literally to get to the bone and the marrow and of the spirit of man. Get like into, inside of you. Can I have, and then what happened? They rose up and they were all filled with his presence, the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They went out in the streets. And they began to speak in tongues and people were amazed and they marveled about what was taking place. And they literally later on, it says of them people that they literally turned the world upside down. I want you to stay. I have many, a lot more to preach on this, but it's getting close to our time. I'm challenging this you here this morning. To have the audacious faith to say, God, I give you the invitation. You're a holy guest. I give you the holy invitation to come and set upon me. I remember an experience I had in my home. Jenny was gone. On a ladies' uh, trip in Branson. The kids were gone. It was quiet. I was a little lonely. All of my friends were doing something else. And so I went home early that night. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just catch up on just some good rest. I flopped down in my seat, and the Lord said to me, kind of in my spirit, Won't you take the opportunity of your downtime? And I knew what that meant. I wrestled with it for a good bit. You know how you are. I flipped through the channels trying to find something. Nothing was satisfying. I know better than this. And so I just went into prayer. And I got on my knees and I went through the re- re- regular routine of praying and had my list out and went through that routine. And the Lord said, when are you going to get out of your routine? You don't always have to pray over your list. Now, it's good to have a list or you'll forget when people ask me to pray, immediately, I take mental note of that as much as possible. And I write it down. If I don't, I forget. And then when I go to pray, I got a list of people I pray for. And I, thought, Lord, and I knew then that the Lord was challenging me to experience him in a different way than the normal routine of life. And so I just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to take my rest. I got up off my knees. I sat down in my recliner. I kicked it back and lifted my hands. I just sang. I just worshipped. I'd done that for a long, long, long time. Just sat and meditated, waited. Done all of that kind of a thing. And then finally I quit. And I thought, well, that was a good time. And right about the time I reached for the remote, bam, God come down in that room. And it was as if God come and sat in that recliner. I wept. I moaned. I groaned. I wallowed in the floor. I looked up, and it was just like a, a brilliant, radiant light in my living room, and I was crying my eyes out. If someone would have came in, they thought they better call an ambulance because I was weeping, and I was prostrate on the floor because of the presence of God was so strong. And I, When I got done, I felt so clean, that scripture comes to my mind every time I think about what happened to me that night. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I felt like going before the 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 Father and he takes fuller soap and he washed me. That's how I felt. And those encounters is what spurred me on to grow, to mature, to develop. Not that I seek after an experience all the time because we have to believe by faith in the word. But those of us that are in the word understand that if we're faithful to the word, he confirms his word with signs, wonders, and miracles unto us. That's simple, isn't it? We don't seek for them, but we seek him and he makes them happen whether we want them or not because he comes in contact with us. I'm asking you, how many of you have had those kinds of moments in your life how many of you have had those times when he caught you just unaware and slipped in on you and blessed you anyway? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I remember one time we went to a prayer conference in Springfield, Missouri. Ray H. Hughes was preaching. There were 20 of us from the Poplar Bluff Church and we were in a motel lobby and for some reason they had long pews. And we were gathered in there, and that place was packed. Brother Hughes gets up, and he begins to preach. One of the greatest Pentecostal preachers you'll ever hear in your lifetime. He's deceased now. One of them, That's the man that I've always wanted to be like. He's just unbelievable. Apostle of our day. And the man would preach the word of God, and he, and, and he had, ever, he had have it memorized. And he would challenge you in such authority and such power. And that night, in the middle of his message, he shuddered. And when he did, he took his hands. He said, well, glory. And he went like that. And when he did, 100%, not 99, 100% of that congregation fell in the floor. Face down, moaning, groaning, bent over with the heaviness of God's presence. And you could have heard a pin drop and the people moaning and groaning all over that place. That lasted for, I don't know how. The funniest thing I've seen was two things that night Mark Fawn trying to get off the floor between two pews and a new guy that was that was when Steve Hagan was coming to our church and he was fleshly saved and his eyes was big as saucers he said I've never experienced anything like that before in my life and when I see him I say you remember that oh yeah I remember that and it's never gone away from him I'm asking you not necessarily that we're going to try to come up here and seek after that tonight, this morning. I'm asking you to bow your head in holy reverence. And I'm asking you to start saying, God, I invite you to set upon me. Me and you, I don't want just an encounter in the church where you come and feel the church and we see the expressions of your manifestation through joyful expressions, through salvation. we are all wonderful and great and glorious and people getting happy and all that. kind I want to encounter you personally. I give you that right. I unveil my heart. I open my heart. I get out of the way and I make you that invitation. Now let me stop right here just a moment. I promise you I'm going to close here in just a second. I'm going to have you stand much longer. Already I felt like the Holy Spirit said there are people that are too afraid to even pray that prayer. They're sitting there wondering, do I really want to pray this? Do I really want this kind of an experience? The rest of my message was that if you can't see him now, Will you be able to see him at his coming because he's coming as a thief in the night? But at the second part of his second coming, when he comes to make vengeance and make war, every eye shall see him and they'll see him whom they've perished At the great white throne judgment, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. They'll see him. When he comes back after the millennial kingdom, they'll see him coming out of heaven and his eyes like a flame of fire again and he's going to have his vesture dipped in blood. He's going to be coming with a sword in his hands. He's going to be speaking with a two-edged sword. He's going to shake the nations and on and on and on and on. I ask you so sincerely as your pastor, let's get ready for one of the greatest awakenings and revivals that we can ever experience by giving God the permission to come and to set upon us. One more time, I'm asking you, God, set upon me. Here I am. Open my heart. Whenever you desire, and let me start seeking for that to happen. Put it in my heart to hunger and thirst for this. Open my heart to where I want it like a deer would penneth after a water brook. Let my heart penneth after you, O oh Lord. Like David said, let our hearts be in tune and in sync together at the Palace of Praise to have one ambition, one goal for the year of 2020 and for the remainder of this year. God, show me your glory set upon me in Jesus' name. Now, if you're going to believe that with me and you believe it's going to happen, give Lord the loudest praise you can in dismissal. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, make it louder than that. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, give him praise for just one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Hallelujah! Hallelujah.